Hey guys, and welcome back to the sixth episode of Renewed Talk. It's Elaine Janelle on the mic, also known as Mickey Jane, and I'm glad that you decided to join us for another episode. As you all know, I hope some of you know, that awesome song we just heard, A Mighty Good God, was coming from Bishop Andrew J. Ford the second and Fort Memorial Temple's Anointed Voices. And they are like my family. So I always support them. And on this episode, I'll be playing a few songs coming from Philly's artists only. Philly's own. And Philly artists who released singles in 2015. So if you like what you heard, just know that when the album is released, I will let you all know. And then you all can pick it up. Take a listen. Buy it on iTunes, etc., etc. Welcome, y'all, to another topic Another day, talking about 20-something in 2015. And if you listen to the ones before, I laid the ground foundation as I do. Always, I laid my ground foundation in the first episode. And I opened it up a little bit more in our second episode. So we're talking about young people. We're talking about people in their 20s. I'm interviewing people who are in their 20s, who are part of this generation, who are leaders in this generation. To help us discuss where where's our church going? What's the next direction? Where are the young people even going to take us? And that's what we're going to talk about this episode. So I got the privilege to interview Pastor Eric Langston and his lovely wife, Mrs. Ashley Langston. They're my good friends. And just to give you a heads up, when we interviewed this, um, when we had this interview, it was a week before, a week and a day before Aria Noel was born. So we make a Hinch and a notice to the fact that Ashley is pregnant with beautiful Aria, but now Aria is here and she's great and she's doing well. So I hope that you enjoy our interview on today. All right. And before I get into all of that, everybody should know in October 2015, I started featuring one brand per episode because I want to push my fellow people my uh, cohorts, as I call them, who are about their business, who are doing something great. So I just want to talk for a moment about a lovely young man by the name of Mr. Bobby Trends. He is the founder of Trendspad, which is birthed out of Brooklyn, New York. It is a lifestyle blog and consulting group that offers service in wardrobe consultation, event planning, and social media development. He also has something called the Gentleman's Guide, which is a movement and is also an extension of Trendspad brand. He started this brand in 2013, sorry, started this brand in 2013, and he is preparing for more coming events in 2016. He is looking to combine their second annual event of NYFW, which is New York Fashion Week Social, and his Gentleman's Guide coming together in Harlem in the month of February. So if you have not been to it before, I encourage you to go in February 2016 and see what they are all about. All right. And if you want to learn more about Transpad, you can check out their blog. Yes, they have a blog. They're currently working on building a process of their website. But in the meantime, you can go to www.transpad. I'm going to spell it because I don't want anybody to mess it up. Transpad is T-R-E-N-D-Z-P-A-D dot Tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R dot com. And if you like what you read and you like what you see, go follow follow Mr. Bobby himself at, Tra- at Bobby Trends and go to Transpad or Transpad underscore blog. You can find all those on social media 
uh, I follow them on Instagram. So I like pictures. So I'm going to go and follow them even more. And you can do the same. Before I get into our discussion on this evening, I just wanted to let y'all know that because I'm featuring some awesome people on this episode, I also wanted to feature Lottie Dolly, which is Jermaine Dolly, birthed out of Philadelphia, Philadelphia native. And he came out with a single this year by the name of You, and it did well. I I can't say nothing bad about it. The song is awesome. He's a great artist and it has done well, and God has allowed him to go more and more places. And the same day that Aria Noel was born was the same day that Jermaine Dolly came out with his first album. And you can find it on SoundCloud. Just type in Lottie Dolly, and you can find his music on SoundCloud.com. All right, y'all. I hope I'm covering everything tonight because I'm excited about 2016. In 2016, Renew Talk will be doing bigger things. We're going to grow. We're going to have more ideas and we're going to talk about more and more things that concern us, that concern us people, that concern us young people, that concern uh, the livelihoods of what we think about and how we think and how we process our thoughts and things that we want to do to change our lives. That's what we do every new talk. We talk to change our lives. We let our conversation renew us to be changed and the conversation that we have is always about God and his godly ways. All right, y'all. So I'm about to give you some Jermaine Dolly. And after that, I'm coming back with Mr. and Mrs. Langston. My first couples interview, I must say so myself. And we're going to talk about a few things that I hope interest you all. And if you like what you hear, you know what to do. Go to ElaineJanelle.com, click on contact, type in your name, leave something in the title, and then write anything that you have to say. If you have a brand you think should be featured, go to contact, click on it, and leave it in there. And even if you have uh, any ideas or any topics that you think we should discuss or ponder on, leave it right there at ElaineJanelle.com under contact. And I'll be sure to try to get back to you and make sure it's something that can happen in 2016, 17, and so forth, and so on. All right, here. Here's you from Jermaine Dolly, and I'll be right back at you. It's Elaine Janelle at Renew Talk.
told you that I'm going to interview some awesome people on tonight. We have the lovely Mr. Eric S. Langston and Mrs. Ashley Langston coming out of Philadelphia, PA. Say hello, everyone. Hi, guys. Hi. And they are great friends of mine, and this is my first couples interview. So I'm going to ask... If Eric and Ashley don't mind introducing themselves, and then we'll dive into some questions tonight. My name is Ashley Langston. Um, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. 
I've been living in Philadelphia for almost 10 years now. Yeah. Um, I moved here to go to college. I'm a teacher. Um, I've been teaching, what, five years, almost five years. And um, in church, I was teaching Sunday school. I'm with child, so I had to put that on the you know, put that to rest for a little bit. Yes. And also sing praise and worship and I help on the youth choir. Sounds good. Hi guys, my name is Eric Langston. I am um, a native here in Philadelphia. I grew up in North Philadelphia. Uh, so I've been here all my life. I currently am assistant principal of school culture at Mastery Charter School, which is one of the largest uh, charter networks in the city. Uh, I run the school of um, elementary school K-8, roughly 560 students, and I am in charge of the whole discipline uh, aspect of our building. Um, this is my third year working at Mastery. Prior to that, I was working at Temple after I graduated from Temple uh, in a nonprofit organization, uh, Upward Bound, as a counselor and advisor for high school students. Um, and I also am a pastor at the Love Fellowship Tabernacle Church, um, where I serve the youth department. Uh, and also, I conduct new members classes as well at the Ooh. Tabernacle. Sounds good. Well, thank you for uh, introducing yourselves. And of course, as Ashley's already stated, they are expecting a little baby girl named Aria Noel. Very, very soon. Yeah. Very soon. Very Maybe soon. Maybe she's putting in broadcast. Soon and very soon. Soon. So, um... Never seen no baby on this broadcast. Oh, perfectly not. Perfectly not tonight, praise the Lord. Um, but if we'll do, we'll just have to rearrange some things around. Um, but first I wanted to start off by asking uh, a simple question of around what age... Did um, what age did you guys get saved? So I know you have to answer individually, um, but around what age you got saved, and around what age I guess also you became more aware of God. So for me, I think that's a loaded question because I was raised in church. So my family was raised in church, and all I know is church. So I've been in church my entire life. Um. If I had to pick a date or age bracket in terms of saying when I got saved or became more cognizant, I would probably say around 10 or 11, I was more cognizant of what was going on. Um, and then church became more of a passion for me opposed to mandatory. Even though I had no choice, I still <laughs> wanted to go every time I had the opportunity. Yeah. And Ashley? My experience has been a bit similar. I grew up in church as well. Um, my mom got saved like when I was like around five. And then from that point, I've always been in church, always been active in church, um, actively, actively pursuing God as like a child. But I can say that I, I can say that I got saved um, in terms of like really understanding what salvation was 
maybe like 11 or 12, middle school age, when you can really um, comprehend what it means to be saved. Um, yeah. Okay. Around, um, well, let me go back. When I was doing some of my research, um, I found that a lot of people who grew up in the church and decided to stay in the church after the age of about 17, 18 years old, around that graduating of high school age, I found that a lot of young people stayed in the church because someone influenced them or because they had an experience with God. My question to you tonight is, do you recall of someone um, in particular that stands out that influenced you while you were young in the church? And kind of what effect did they have on you or how did they influence you? So for me, I would say that uh, my pastor had an influence on me because my pastor, as well as like other ministers and pastors had an influence on me because when I was around that age, that high school age, I became uh, very uh, intrigued by uh, the art or the craft of preaching. So, because I was intrigued by that, um, I was attracted to that, and it kept me going and kept me coming um, because I knew that eventually that would be my plight, um, and that was the reason of one of the driving forces that um, I kept going because I knew eventually I would become what I was watching. Hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> what kept you going in church? Like, what made you... Kept pregnancy brain. made you want to... It's uh, fine. You got a <laughs> Who influenced you? Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I can say mine was more of an experience with God versus, like, um, relationship. I think... My personality is a bit different in terms of like how I relate to people. I'm a little bit more introverted. So um, I just remember like my last year in high school, um, I was just really diligent about like prayer and um, spending time with the Lord and stuff like that. And when it came time to apply for college, um, we had to send in like these fees. And one of the fees was for tuition and the other one was for housing. And, um, my mom was just like, well, you're going to have to pray and ask the Lord. Cause I don't, you know, I ain't got it for you whatever. So we went, so I, you know, I prayed about it or whatever. And I told one of my teachers that, um, you know, I really wanted to go to temple, but I didn't have the money to um, pay the housing deposit. And it just so happened that one of his, um, fraternity brothers was the president of temple university at the time. And he made one phone call, and I didn't have to pay the fee. And I could—that was the one reason why I was able to go to Temple wow. was because of one phone call. So, I mean, at that moment, I got to know as—I got to know God as being a provider through my relationship with Him and through an experience with Him that kind of became the catalyst for um, continuing my walk with God because I saw results in my own prayer, not just the prayer of the people who are around me who are more seasoned. That's good. I'm glad both of you had different um, background experiences um, because it kind of leads me, it leads me in the way of 
helping young people because a lot of young people think that everybody has the same type of experience, especially if they grew up in a church. They tend to believe that all young people do the same thing. Uh, the other question I wanted to just ask on this evening, did you, either one of you ever have moments where you kind of wanted to take a break from the concept of God or, or the idea of church? I mean, for me, I felt like, um, I, when I was in college, I wanted to experience God in a new way versus like just strictly black church. Okay, that's um, the good. Culture of black church, the politics of black church. Um, I went through this phase where it was like, I don't want to dress up for church. I just want to go get a good message without all the hoopla. I want to understand what I'm learning about. I want to be able to go home and study. And um, like, that's more the phase that I went through versus like, oh, I'm just tired of church. I don't feel like going. I feel like there were phases in my life where I didn't feel like going, but because it was just in me to always go, I think growing up in church builds habits of always seeking God, even if you don't feel him, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I, I feel funny. I felt funny if I didn't go to church all throughout college, um, because that's how I was raised. However, the way I was seeking God became different because of my experiences in that particular uh, phase of my life. So that's true. That's a good point. I can relate to that. Eric, have you ever had any experiences like it? I don't think I've ever had an experience where it was just like I didn't want to go to church anymore. Um, I think when I was in college, the only time that I had that uh, conviction is when I wanted to do stuff that I know I shouldn't have been doing in college. So, like, I never had that real idea of, hey, I don't want to go to church anymore and it's not a passion or a desire to church. It was more so beating myself up because I had that, that passion in that, in that college phase, because I felt like at that point I had already accepted the call on my life to preach. So I felt like in some cases I didn't get to experience like the ebbs and flows of being a full-time college student without boundaries or restrictions. So I would go through those phases where it was like, I wish I was able to, but at the end of the day, I was still in church on Sunday. Even though in my mind, I would rather at least have a different experience, but knowing that that wasn't possible in some cases um, at that venture, at that juncture. Did you ever have to like talk yourself through it? Or was it just like, Oh, get over it. No, I would say I had to talk myself through it because sometimes um, I will find myself attempting to adjust for the sake of saying, hey, I'm young. I've, that's when I was going through that God knows phase. Like God knows my heart. God knows that I'm young. God knows I'm in college. God knows I'm going to make these mistakes. Uh, so I went through more of that phase of, you know, God knows my intention mm -hmm. and I would have to fight myself through that. Um, because the danger of doing the God knows my intention 
you lose the uh, ability to have that conviction and you just be like, it become premeditated. So I would have to fight against that idea of, no, I'm glad you broke that down a little bit because some people may say, well, what's wrong with God knowing my heart and me doing what I want to do? You know what I mean? Um, right. Especially as young people, even though I know people in their 40s and 50s still using that excuse. Um, mm-hmm. Some people don't see a, any wrong in it at all. Right. <laughs> so they rather do what they want to do and repent later and hope for the best, as you may say. Right. Um. One of my, one of my uh, major questions questions are how did your experiences from you transitioning, you know, childhood growing up in church, going to college, um, becoming adults, and then having like impactful careers, how did your decisions during that time affect who you are now? I mean, I would say the decisions that I decided to make during that time were. Um, I would say it's just a result of, well, yeah, what I was going through, but also what I was called to do and to become. Like going back to what I said about being accepted into Temple from my teacher making that one phone call. Like, it, I feel like everything came or worked together to get me to where I was now, even if I didn't understand necessarily where I was going. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Um, for me, I think that just like in, like, corporate America and also, like, spiritually, if you go to and you get a degree in something, you are expected to live that out. Uh, on the spiritual side, you have we don't have the degree, but we have the faith to believe that we're going to become what we, has been prophesied to us or what has been spoken over our lives. Um, and I think that everything that I went through was for like my my making or so. Mm-hmm. So everything that I've gone through has, at the end of the day, put things into motion and into place that has made me successful. Um, outside of church or out just side of the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that has made me who I am um, today in terms of the building and the process of going through the times where I don't want to be a part, but understanding that that wasn't just a spiritual part or natural part, but it was, it was all encompassing and that it has worked all things have worked in my favor um, holistically. And I do believe that the Christian walk should be holistic in the aspect of it should not. Your experience through Christianity should not only impact you spiritually, but your experience, which is spiritual, should ultimately impact you holistically. Thank you for saying that. Because um, I'm big on it. Let me put it like this. I don't know if I've ever heard this before, but a professor at a, um, a religious 
professor at a school once asked the class, um, I want half of you to pray that you get an A on your test, and I want the other half of you to study to get the A on your test, and we'll see which one works. And I heard this idea a while back, and um, I was cracking up because I was just like, why do people think that people who believe in God only see things one way? Like, as if our brains only look through the lens of mm -hmm. um, just prayer when our Bible teaches us to study to show ourselves approved. So it's just like, how can you tell me that God doesn't cover all of it? It, it causes me to work on both things so that um, my life is balanced. And that's why I wanted to okay. share the, the fact of your what you do career-wise as well as what you do in the church. Because it's nice that we have people that are preachers in the church and, and people that do things at the church. But it's almost sad that sometimes we have people who do so many things at church, but they do nothing in their communities. They, okay. <laughs> or if they do things at their church, they don't really reach out in the community past their church. <laughs> so it's almost kind of like, how is that being a full-fledged follower of God, but you don't even, holistically, you don't cover all areas in your life, per se? Right. That's why I said right. thank you for mentioning that. Um, leading up to a few more of my questions, I picked the topic of 20-something in 2015 because I was relating to this generation and kind of the fact that a lot of people in this generation are leaders or are becoming leaders. The whole idea of we are the church of tomorrow is kind of like, to me personally, is out the window. Um, because a lot of people now have had to take on roles uh, at a younger age in the church. And so because of that, which leads me to my next question, is simply because you both work with children. Um, and you both work with teenagers and young adults. How do you see the the area of the kingdom going? This is a little bit deeper. <laughs> so work with me. How do you see the area of the kingdom going for young people who are like 15 and 16, who are, um, I would say, cognitive and understand God and may even understand the ways of the church? Where do you see them taking the church at large? Because the truth of the matter is, in just 10 years, they are the, you know, they're the next leaders. Like, um, because you work with young people every day, you know maybe even how they comprehend better than a person who may see their children just on Sunday at church. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find that working with youth in church is very similar to working at, with youth in my school setting in regards to getting parental support and um, I feel like it's kind of about how sometimes um, there's a certain agenda that the church has in terms of like the vision for the ministry based upon the leadership there and you can tell when on the surface a parent may support the vision in the ministry while they're at church however whatever is done at home conflicts with what's going on at church. And I think that's what brings dissension. That's what kind of breeds a rebellious spirit in younger people because they too, they see two conflicting things from um, people who are supposed to model the same thing consistently every time. And I feel that because of that nuance, 
it makes it more difficult for people who are working within youth ministry when you have parents who may on the surface at church because we're in front of leadership say they're all on board but say and do something else at home and it becomes counterproductive so i think in order to close that gap um parents need to be really con- convicted or or bought into um the vision of um not just the ministry but of the body of christ mm-hmm. um and being sure of what we stand for as christians and you know while everybody's household is the same um there's there's still a standard that we live by and um I think that becomes conflicting. So to, uh, I guess, connect this to the upcoming generation, I feel like there still has to be um, foundation that is consistently set and reinforced, not just in church, not just in Sunday school, but at home as well. And when that connection is really made, that's when you see impact with youth. And while... Um, during certain ages, you know, if you study like children, they have different developmental stages. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, around like that, to a lot of things where we don't necessarily understand and um, stuff like that. So I feel like if we're more educated as well about how to impact them in the stages that they're going through, um, it'll help to, to foster that sense of leadership that they need in order to take ministry to the next level. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> I just want y'all to know that Eric <laughs> Eric and Ashley can be goofy at times. Uh, I like that because... <laughs> no, I think that's good because I feel like people forget two things. People forget that uh, their children soon become adults. Go figure. And then people also forget that children are also souls in the kingdom. So, mm-hmm. just because your child made you mad on Sunday didn't mean you had you had to put in blank full, cuss them out, right. <laughs> and then take them to the altar as if you're cussing them out and tearing them down. <laughs> then they have anything to do with it. Like, got to balance it if you want your child to be consistent in their behavior as well. Right, absolutely. And I think that, um, I think that that age group that you're talking about, I think... In some cases, in many cases, I think they're in trouble in a whole lot of areas. And because I see it on the academic professional side as well as the church side, the students that I see every day, even though I don't see them in the church world, it's the same spirit uh, behind the action that they partake in. So the the children that I interact with on the spiritual side, I can see their potential to act like the kids that I work with on the natural side. Gotcha. And it really makes me feel like I'm old, even though I'm not, because like 17, 18-year-old kids now, their experience is totally different than when I was 17, 18. And even though that was only, what, eight, nine years ago, they're not held to the same level of accountability that I was held to 
So like when I get on the bus, if I have to get on the train to go into the city, I don't because of the way that they act during this middle or during all times. It's a whole nother level. I didn't have an option to go to church when I was 17. No, they do. Now, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids have the option. Now, that was only eight years ago. That was not a long time ago. But I didn't have an option. I didn't have an option to respect adults. That's not always the case. And unfortunately, before you even get to the spiritual side, if we deal with the natural side, a lot of the kids in that age bracket, the Bible says that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. That's the spiritual side of it. But the professional academic side is that a lot of our black kids are so uneducated and undereducated that all they know how to do is to respond to negativity because they are not educated and it's not their fault, but also parents are not educated Mm -hmm. because parents are not uneducated. The child has no choice but to be uneducated. So when I deal with a conflicting parent, I now understand why (laughs) the child responds the way that they respond. But when I'm in church and I deal with disrespectful or defiant children, we also understand that the parent spiritually is disrespectful and defiant to leadership. Mm -hmm. So what happens is they talk about the church at home and because the kids don't have the process and open skills to mask it, they say what their parents are thinking. So it's, I see both sides of it. And unfortunately there is no, there is no, there's, a lack of leadership in the church for that age bracket. Mm-hmm. So when I was when I was 18, 16 even, there were youth leaders at our church that almost made sure we was together every weekend. Yeah. And it was outside of oh, we got choir rehearsal. Like we stayed at our youth leader house because we had somebody that held us accountable. And we did not talk about church all day long, and we were relatable. At this point, people, the pastors and preachers are preaching the word which they must preach, but we're missing the relatability part. So, and adults are missing it. So, if we're telling people how to live, but we're not showing them how to live, we can't expect the kids to do it. And there's not. Nobody wants to take the time to build with them. So they don't have examples to to do better at home or in church. So because of that, they succumb to what becomes popular for them, which is what's in the world. Right. So every I don't care, you know, I don't care what I see. And I don't care what student I deal with in my building. When I put on a certain song, everybody knows the song. Yeah. Whether Christian, (laughs) Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, everybody knows the song and everybody knows how to do the dance because it has become a culture 
that has been become attractive. Mm-hmm. Any school today, and you put on a whipping name, and everybody, everybody will move. You turn on a gospel song, and people will look at you like you are a fool. But the concept is the world, in some cases, has learned the model in terms of making it relatable. And the church has not done a job with making uh, coming to church relatable for that age bracket. Every time they come to church, they don't need to hear about going to hell and sex. Yeah. Because just like any strong relationship, in school, my kids don't trust you or they won't respond to you unless they trust you. And you have to build trust with them before you can start giving them heavy content. Mm-hmm. And some people will learn just because you believe in what they don't believe in. And they can succumb to or become because they know Miss Langston or Mr. Langston, they told me I can do it. So I'm going to strive for it. We miss, we're missing the middle part in the church where you can talk to me about things that we preach about because the reality is you're doing it along with a lot of the adults in the church. Right, right. But we don't we leave that out and that generation is in a lot of trouble because there are, are no, there are no Joshua's that are in the generation that have watched Moses long enough to lead them. I, I, the reason why I'm like pausing is because you hit on a few things that we discussed last episode, and so I'm transitioning because I'm getting to the close of our conversation. But last thing that I asked Roosevelt and uh, Miss Latavia Teller were questions about, uh, what is the church? I said, what is the church focusing on? That um. It should be should not be focusing on that this generation could maybe shift. And Roosevelt took it upon himself, um, my dear from Roosevelt Smith from New York, took it upon himself to shift shift the question. He said, What is the church? He said, What is it not focusing on? So he kind of flipped it from the back it was the same type of question, but he flipped it from the back of it. And he said, What is the church not focusing on that it should be focusing on? And main thing he mentioned was to going back to the center of evangelism. But then Latavia also mentioned that that aspect of being, um, oh, Jesus, these words are leaving my brain. (laughs) Being open. Y'all know what I'm about to say. Being open, sharing your experiences as an older generation so that the younger generation will know what to do in their everyday lives to get through it. It's the word starts with a T and it's totally left me. Uh, and I'm thinking trans. You won't say it? transparent. Thank God, because I was about to say translucent, and I'm thinking like work. I'm thinking like work, y'all. I'm thinking like work. <laughs> but she went to talking about people being transparent, and I learned that a lot of people. When I talk to other young people my age and younger, that if their parents were not transparent, if their parents were not open about different things that they did through their childhood, that it made it harder for them to do better 
as a child and as an adult. And young people, leaders, young leaders, young pastors, older pastors, grandmothers, grandfathers, if you are listening, please know that if you don't share some of the experiences of what you did wrong and how you made it right, your children are not going to just pick it up out the sky. Like, <laughs> yes, they can seek the Lord and call on the Lord, but you have to be open. And the words you said was being relatable. And uh, that's the break that I think the church, that's the breaking that needs to happen in the church, I feel like, from the generations before us to our generation to the generation coming behind us. They have to, we have to be relatable if we want to bring them closer to God. Mm-hmm. Not just closer to the pastor or to the church general, but if we bring them closer to God, they'll naturally become closer to the church. They'll become more right. intrigued with what the kingdom of God offers and who God is. Um, but I think it's very interesting that you said that because it relates totally with that fact that being relatable doesn't mean you tell all your business, as said on the last episode by Tavi, but it does mean that you share some parts of your life so that people will know. Um, right. I'm going to share this before I go to the last question. I said to my mom when I was younger, I was like, you were just perfect when you were younger. <laughs> you just did everything right. And anybody who, who's listening knows my mother, Vivian MacGyver, sister Vivian MacGyver. She was always introverted. She was a quiet person. And she was always been stern. She's actually eased up as she's gotten older. And she told me, she was like, no, I used to cheat on tests. And that made me so happy to hear that. Now I might get in trouble for saying this on this show. But it made me so happy to hear that. Not because she she cheated or I didn't think my mom was still a cheater on a test. But it was just the fact that, oh my gosh, you're human. You're saved and you did something wrong. And you still went to school, graduated from college and became a teacher. Like, <laughs> you're not. I think sometimes we forget that these people are not. They're not perfect. And instead, we come up with our own opinions when people doesn't don't show us their inner aspects. We come up with our own opinions about them. Um, my last question to you both as you're preparing for your um, beautiful newborn and your first child together. What do you both do either every day or from time to time that affects children? How do you handle them? Um what would you do differently differently with Aria? Um, yeah, I mean, I talk to kids a lot. I try to talk to teenagers more than anything, and I try not to put blame on them. I try to talk to get their opinion and see where they're coming from before I tell them they're wrong or they need to change how they think. So I just want to know what y'all all do <laughs> uh, and what so, you think you might do different with Aria so that you have children who are more welcoming to God or to growing in life, being educated, not just in the classroom. I hope I'm making sense. Me, I think that makes sense. For me, I, um, I really pride myself on my ability to make myself relatable and transparent with my students. And I've been blessed to, at this point, work with the K to 12 sector. So I've worked with students at this point from K to 12 and um, all of them can say that they know that I genuinely care about them um, from the core, 
uh, and I go above and beyond what I'm expected to do to see them succeed. That's good. Uh, and I'm relatable with them. So I never, none of my students have ever heard me say, I'm a pastor or I'm a preacher or, you know, I go to church. I never tell any of them that because I believe that in that sector, my actions and deeds should be able to identify the uniqueness of who I am. So when they find out who I am, number one, is not a surprise. And number two, they can respect it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I had a third grader the other day tell one of the teachers, uh, yeah, I looked up Mr. Langston and uh, he, uh, he's a pastor. Because they don't, I don't go to work to tell them that. But if your life is aligned the right way, you will bear spiritual and natural truth. So, because of that, my natural fruit is what I work every day. And to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, one of the things that we're missing in the church is that we don't prepare our, our young people to be educated outside of the walls of the church. Right. We teach them how to sing and we teach them how to dance, but they can't put a resume together. And they have no influence. And for the last couple of months, every time I preach, somehow or another, I always say, you know, that God is not making me a church celebrity. And if I never get fame in church, I need the world to know who I am Mm -hmm. by my act and my deed. And we don't give them the necessary tools to be successful outside of Sunday morning church. Wednesday night Bible study and Friday night rehearsal. So when I show my students who don't know nothing about potentially this God that I serve, but they meet him through my interaction with them because some of those kids spend more time with me than they spend with their parents. And at that point, I have a prime opportunity to minister to them just through love. And showing the love of Christ just by the way that I handle them, even when they mishandle me. Because I get mishandled all the time at school. I understand. But at the same time, (laughs) I handle them reciprocated with love. Um, And because of that, because I take more of a holistic approach, um, the only addition that I would make for Aria is the level of transparency that I would share with her. Um, Because I give my students tools and resources every day to be successful in and outside of the classroom. Right. And how to deal with difficult situations and how to deal with difficult people and how to always turn the other cheek. But at that point, all I can do is give it and the only thing that I can reprimand is if it's not followed through mm-hmm. uh, and I don't have enough time with them. So the thing that I can give Aria to what I already give my students is of course she will have more time. Right. 
the level of accountability for her will be higher and I'm able to share a deeper level of transparency with her that I am not allowed to share right. with my students and with the people I work with at church. Mm. I agree. Um, I think that I think that it's a cultural thing as African Americans to not be as transparent with your children because it somehow translates to not being as strong or not being perceived as um, competent in a way. Yes, thank you, Ashley. Go ahead. But essentially, um, people in general tend to trust more when you are transparent with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will take into consideration what you're trying to say to them if they know that there's experience that aligns to what you're telling them. And I think culturally, we all, we always used to hearing the phrase, you do what I say because I said so, because I said so, because I'm the adult. And to a certain degree, yes, you are adult. I mean, we, we teach our children to have um, respect for authority. That's biblical. Um, however, there has to be something deeper that will stay with them and influence them when you are not their sole oversight or their sole um, authority, I guess, figure. So in order for, so I think what happens in the church is that because from birth to 17, you're under the authority of, of your home, when you get 18, if you don't have a real connection with that authority through transparency, through experience, through prayer, that it's easy to stray away because you don't have a relationship with someone in the flesh that can kind of um, keep you grounded. And it's, I feel like it's always um, culturally like what you're not doing. Why didn't you go here? Why are you not paying attention in Sunday school? Why are you falling? And it's not really a relational thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the one thing that, you know, I didn't really have growing up that I would want to give to Aria is that, you know, being able to have a conversation with me um, about the things of God and about her feelings, you know, um, I think culturally as, as African-American children, you rarely hear parents discussing how their children feel about things. It's just, this is what you decided for the home. This is what you're going to do. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care. You know, you don't have an opinion because you don't pay bills. And it, it builds a sense of oppression, right? Mm-hmm. And it then if, for somebody who feels, you know, confined in a certain way, when they do get it of age, essentially you do the exact opposite of what you what made you feel oppressed. Um, and I don't think it's intentional at all. I think it's done under good intention, but we have to have good intention and wisdom. So that's what I think... Um, I would do differently. I love it. I love it. <laughs> because I, I'm not a parent. One day, Lord's will, I'll be one. Uh, with a husband before then. But, <laughs> but I really, really believe that people... <laughs> I 
really, really believe that people think that being honest or showing them more of themselves is a sign of weakness. And your children feel that. Your children know when their secret's being held from the parents that the child's not supposed to know. Especially y'all living especially if y'all live in the same house down the hall or a couple doors from each other. They can feel that. Um and the reason I can say it like that, because I felt it. So I um just from what you said, Ashley. You all right. What you said, Ashley, and what you said, Eric. I just hope that anybody who's listening who is becoming a parent or any young person listening to know that I, me, myself, I want you to hear you talk and parents, I want you to share not every single thing about yourself. You're still the parent. You don't want to perceive, be perceived as being a friend to the child. Um, but you need to be perceived as being honest and open with the child. So the child will return that back to you. And, um, the phrase is often said amongst older people, children are to be seen and not heard. That sounds stupid. That's my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, children will be children. They're going to run around. They're going to laugh. They're going to make jokes. Sometimes they're going to be loud. Sometimes they're going to be quiet. Sometimes they're going to be mischievous. So it's like unreal to just say, okay, they'll be seen and not heard. It doesn't make sense. So I'm glad I had this conversation tonight. And I'm glad you guys were able to join me. And you are helping fulfill the vision of Renew Talk. And I'm going to say this because a lot of people may not know why I started Renew Talk. But I started this because I feel as though the conversation <laughs> the conversation that I have with my friends, I realize that a lot of people my age and younger do not have those conversations. Mm-hmm. That this conversation is sought after. To talk about life, growth, understanding, learning, education. I realize a lot of people do not have conversations like this. They're too busy talking about social media. What's the latest thing on VH1, VT, MTV, whoever else? And this is this this type of conversation is needed to be had among more people in general. So, to that, I always close out with prayer. So. Eric or Ashley, y'all can choose between the two you all, two of you all. Ashley got prayer anointed. No, I don't. She's gonna stand up and pray. She gonna, <laughs> she gonna walk the floor. She gonna walk the floor for. <laughs> walk, walk it out. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and discuss and dialogue about how. We, as young people, can impact this kingdom. We thank you for Elaine and the idea that you've given her to become um, a voice uh, in this generation that wants to cry loud and spare not. Thank you for the influence that she had um, in the natural and also in the spirit. We thank you for this uh, dialogue. We ask you to even open up uh, the opportunity for more people to participate in forums like this, we also ask you, God, to open up uh, the opportunity for more people to be listeners so that they are able to be equipped, uh, not only in the spiritual, but also in the natural. We ask you, Lord, to bless everyone that is listening to this broadcast tonight. We ask you to give them uh, a holistic approach uh, to be uh, 
successful in all endeavors in and outside of the church. Uh, we ask you for this age bracket, this 20 and under age bracket, 20s and unders, to give us interventions and give us ideas and wisdom uh, to make an impact. We ask you to make up the difference uh, in these next seasons of our lives for the lack of examples and the lack of leaders in our age bracket. And we yes, ask you, Lord, to build up and raise up leaders uh, that will be able to lead this next generation in the right direction, lead them with purpose, lead them with destiny, lead them to make a difference and change uh, the scope of this world. Uh, we ask you to give them the ability to stand strong in the faith that we have, knowing that God is the author and the finisher of everything, and he's given us the ability to have the spirit of a finisher, and we ask you, God, to give us uh, peace, uh, even in transition, and peace even when we don't want to understand and when we don't want to succumb. Uh, we thank you for the ability to speak about our experiences, and we thank you for every experience that we have uh, going through, and we even thank you for the experiences that are to come. We thank you for the renewed talk. We thank you for the mindset and the idea, uh, and we'll promise to give your name the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.